Left circle for Susie to the back door. McKayev scores. A tremendous passing play off the rush. Are you at all concerned with the growing number of teams tanking the just pretty much eight to ten teams again? I don't last one. Nobody tanks. Into the San Jose zone. Drives behind the net. Try to wrap around. He scores. You're not going to lose games that increase your odds by a couple of percentage points. That's silly. Brick wide pass. Bovillier with a one-timer. He scores for the right circle. Frankly, suggesting tanking, I believe, is inconsistent with the professionalism that our players and our coaches have. It's a 10 spot for Vancouver. Nobody tanks. 7.04 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. That was good, Laddie. Thank you. Thank La- Laddie said prior to coming back from break, he's like, I'm going to spit a little hot fire at Gary Bettman here. You certainly did. Uh, it was 7 o'clock hour, two, hour two here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This sounds like a hip-hop version of the Thomas Tank Engine theme. It kind sure. of does. Yeah. You hear that? It's like the Thomas Tank Engine. That's a very accurate description, Andy. Yeah. It was very well done. Okay. Hour two of the Halford and Bruff Show is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. So we got an open segment. Yeah. So we're going to go into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Um, and Adam from Richmond, he also sent in an early what we learned, but I want to read it now. He okay. sent it in half an hour ago, and he said, it's 30 minutes into the show, and you haven't even talked about Besser scoring two goals and pulling off a Sedin-like pass off the end boards on Miller's goal. Must be nice to have so many things go right that highlight real goals get put on the back burner. Brock Besser... Got off to an incredible start to the season with his four goals against the Edmonton Oilers. He's since added four more. He's got eight goals in ten games. He's tied for third in the NHL in goals. It's amazing. Everything about this team right now is kind of unbelievable. Besser has 13 points through 10 games. He's tied for 11. We were wondering if he could get back to some of the previous form and maybe flirt with the 30 goal plateau he's going to score 300 at this point it is it's quite remarkable i'm super happy for the guy yeah me too cuz i think and here's the thing i test it does seem to match up it seems like regardless of all the advanced analytics you want to throw at it it just seems like he I know this is real sim- simplistic analysis. He looks better. He looks like more He's of more a player. Engaged. He's more engaged. La- last season, I think one of the really um, concerning things about Besser's play was his defensive play. It was like he looked disinterested out, out there. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, and there was a lack of engagement in the game. And his defensive numbers, especially early on in the season, were among the worst in the league. And I'm not talking just about plus minus. I'm talking about his underlying stats. And it looked like it. And, you know, it's funny when we we look back through his year last year, everyone thought he was going to be traded. And, you know, even he wanted out at one point. And then when Tockett came in, I guess something changed. And maybe it was his friendships on the team. Maybe it was the fact that, you know, he, who knows, right? You'd have to ask him. But eventually at the end of the season, he said, actually, you know what? I want to stay. And whether or not that had anything to do with the fact he wasn't traded, I don't know. It might have also been, it's hard to clear cap space, right? If the Canucks had found a deal for Brock Besser that they liked, they might have pulled the trigger on it. That's possible. But it's awesome 
that he's found his game again, and he's it's awesome that he's on a line that is just working right now. Just, just makes know? sense. It just Him, clicks. JT Miller, and Phil DiGiuseppe. You talk about an unlikely trio. Well, not necessarily an unlikely trio, but just all of them have interesting stories. JT Miller, um, tasked with being the shutdown center on this team. A lot of people didn't even think he should be a center, let alone the shutdown center. His game has been incredible. Brock Besser, we just talked about him. And then Phil DiGiuseppe, you're kind of like, where did this guy come from, right? This, this guy who's been back and forth between the AHL and the NHL his entire career, and he's not 24. Was he 28 or 29? Something like that. Years old, yeah. And he's suddenly found this spot that it just works, right? Uh, Chemistry yeah. is so so tough to predict. Sometimes it just works. Well, here's the thing. With DiGiuseppe, and we can go back to how unpredictable and how no one saw this coming from the Canucks. Found money, Phil. Found money, Phil. Let's say that a career tweener, tweener, of course, everyone knows what I'm talking about, a guy that bounces back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. Let's say that a career tweener makes your team, and they're uh, an every-night lineup staple. Usually, that's going to be in a very minute role. Mm -hmm. Okay, you made the team. You're going to be a fourth-line guy. Maybe you get some third-line minutes in the case of an injury. Phil DiGiuseppe went from being a guy that bounced back and forth between the minors and the NHL his entire career and is now a fully functioning member of one of the highest-scoring lines in hockey. Like, that is unpredictable. (laughs) You did not see that coming. Nobody saw that coming. But how many times have we talked about the Canucks needing to find guys like this? Where you're kind of like, you don't need to spend a lot of cap space or draft capital. You just find these guys, whether it was Alex Burrows or Yannick Hansen in the past. Like, you need to find players like that. You're like, wow, look at his cap hit. Look at his production. What a bargain. It's just value. Finding value in guys. Um... I like this text from Ryan. Can we talk about how Tyler Myers is on pace for 41 points and is currently a plus eight, and we think he is one of our biggest problems? Crazy times. And then Ryan notes, P.S. Noah Juleson is the only Canuck with a minus. Yeah, and Juleson's only played three games. Right. Tyler Myers, I think we have to give him a lot of credit for how he's bounced back after some really, really low moments. He was playing really badly, and it must have been hard for him and I hope he stayed off social media. I hope he stayed off all semblances of media, right? Like any any internet. kind of media. Just avoid the internet. Um, he's he's played well. I, I still look, I, I don't think anyone's sitting there going, well, like problem solved, right? First of all, they're going to have to replace him at some point because he only got a year left on his contract. Um, you know, Mark Friedman has come in and played fine. Uh, I like Mark Friedman's game. I prefer him on the third pair, though. So you're still in that position where you're like, all right, Tyler Myers or Mark Freeman on the right side, who do you want in your top four? And I suppose with how much Heronic is playing, it's almost like the Canucks have two third-pair defensemen on that right side anyway, based on their ice time. Yeah. Uh, we got a text in here about Tyler Myers. Did you guys know that Tyler Myers is plus eight? I think that's comeback player of the year conversation worthy. <laughs> Signed, Tyler Myers' burner account. Here's another text. Sam Gagne leading the Oilers in scoring. The Flames stink and the Canucks are good. What year is this? Are we all going to a Black Eyed Peas concert this weekend? <laughs> good BEP shout out there. Um, it is kind of crazy to scan around the league and be like, what? Sam Gagne's got a pair of goals for the Oilers. Huh? The Canucks are blowing out the Sharks. It's unprecedented, almost unprecedented times. We would have to go away, way, way, way back 
but here's the thing in this little scenario that I put up there, I don't remember San Jose ever being this bad in the alignment. They were bad when they started the franchise, but this is historically bad. I, I want to read one from Colin in Tawasson. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. Halford and Bruff have turned from jinxers into soothsayers. After two decades of destroying your teams with your predictions and or presence, you finally have positivity power. So Colin's referring to yesterday. Yeah, where- it's, al- it's, almost, it's almost possible that it wasn't us. It was just, uh, just a bad team. Are you suggesting that we had no outcome or no significance on the outcome of the team? That yeah, maybe yeah, like, we were just talking heads? That's that, crazy uh, talk. I'm, al- I'm almost suggesting that, like, Superstitions are ridiculous. So yesterday, <laughs> Maybe they're not real. <laughs> during yesterday's show, the part that actually went to air, uh, we spent a considerable amount of time talking about how bad San Jose was. We had Curtis Pichelka on the show from Bay Area News Group, and the first question I asked him was, "You know, you've covered this team for a long time. How bad is this iteration of it?" And every time I said it, I would always punctuate the sentence with, "And of course, I am now jinxing the Canucks." Mm-hmm. Well. That didn't come true. Although I did wait until it was 7 nothing yesterday before I officially announced that Halford and Bruff did not jinx the Canucks. I think we talked so much about the jinx that the jinx came unlocked. But there was another one that I had inadvertently thrown out, and we both did it. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know, winning 10 nothing might actually be bad for a team and not good because what happened when Calgary beat Vancouver 10 nothing in the preseason? Uh, correction, they beat Abbotsford. Yeah, that's what I was trying to point out to you. It's like, this isn't the same thing as the Calgary thing because Calgary was playing the Canucks' not best players. Mm-hmm. These were the Sharks' best players last but night. But it brings up an interesting point about bad vibes and bad mojo and bad juju and yeah, bad momentum. like jinxing and stuff. Uh-uh-uh. How effective is it? I really? want it because this is the jumping off point for the conversation we must have. Are you ever allowed to challenge an, <laughs> for an overturn goal when it's 10 nothing? Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, in the third period of yeah, last night's I game, because I checked out on the game, <laughs> when the Vancouver Canucks were leading 10 nothing, <laughs> there was a moment where San Jose looked to interfere with Thatcher Demko whilst trying to make a save. The goal was put on the board. It became a 10-1 hockey game. Mm-hmm. And there was that brief moment where the replay went across everybody's television screens and they cut to Rick Tockett on the bench. And Rick Tockett was like, <sighs> I'm not doing this. I can't do this. <laughs> Because you could have challenged. He looks over at David No Quinn. question. David like, please don't. Please let us have this. We have so little. He's please, like, no. Please, sir. My family. David Quinn would have been looking over and he's like, don't be a dick. Don't be a jerk. Don't challenge. So, laddie, what do you think, buddy? Oh, you want me to comment on this? Yeah, yeah well, I, I want to hear you. I want to hear you commenting on it. I know that. one person who wanted to challenge, for sure. David mm-hmm. Quinn. Yeah, he wanted the challenge. Yeah, no. The guy who was complaining to the referee and continued to complain into the next play, the goaltender himself, Thatcher Demko. You don't think it would have been nice to throw him a little bone and say, hey, we played that third period for you, my friend. We're going to get you that shot. Not worth it. They didn't play the third period for Thatcher Demko. What else was they gave up a ton of scoring chances. Well, that's what they should have. That should have been the message in the room, though. They're up eight, nothing. Right. What are we going to do in this third period, guys? Let's get to 10. Let's get to 10. That's not what they were saying. It was to get the shutout. (laughs) And then they allowed a goal that's interference probably going to be overturned if you uh, review it, but they choose not to. This a lot of people just, on Twitter were agreeing with Laddie. As by a the goalie, way. that, that drove is me such bad karma. This wasn't it, a hot take. Horrible. I don't even think the it Sharks were such bad upset. karma. It's, they understand it's to protect the shutout. I don't think even the Sharks would have been upset about. I, it. I think I they would have been. I think they would have. I think they would have been upset. What's the difference between ten nothing and ten one? I'm going to tell you for the Sharks in their. If I'm playing a beer league game and someone does that. 
Yeah. I am going I am out furious. and I yeah, and we're I'm yeah. like, we're fighting. I don't care Ooh, what challenges the, in a beer league game. Sorry? Challenge is a goal? This is a very, very like yeah. hypothetical beer. It's a high tech beer right? league. Right? Like just work with me here. If the stakes high were a like, beer league. Yeah. <laughs> if they went to put it if we if we had VAR in my league and we were down ten nil and someone was like, We need to go to VAR, I'd be like, someone's getting punched. There's no way. You, you cannot NHL, put though. that cannot over. Do Hold that. on. There's there's contracts at stake here. Like they look at shutouts as a number. Oh, I had seven shutouts that. Oh, do you that think year. that's going to come back to haunt Thatcher Demko at the <laughs> end of the day? I think every little bit counts. Yeah. And in a ten nothing game where really nothing matters, it would have been really nice to go home with that shutout in hand. If I would go to Thatcher well. Demko after the game, I'd be like, if you want to bring this up in negotiations or contracts, we'll give it to you. We'll say that you got a shutout last night. You cannot challenge. A goal in a ten nothing game. If it was game. the ten two goal, then no, I hundred percent agree. Things Why you would you challenge do that? In a ten it's nothing a game. 10, <laughs> one, one goal. Put out your first power play when you're on the power play. It's like a little, is this a little leaf that they hand out? <laughs> I'm there, just saying, it would have been nice for the goalie. I'm it would have been nice. Sure, it would have been nice. But you know what was nice for the goalie? A ten one win. And nothing's you, better. You can't. <laughs> I bet Demko was miserable after that game. I bet he probably was pissed off. No, he went, he went right to social media and, and congratulated Bovillier. In the at, the, at the risk of pissing <laughs> off Demko, you cannot anger the hockey gods and you cannot mess with karma. Do you know how, how much can't. that conversation would change from, like, if, like na- national, like from a big picture perspective, how that would change, like, did you see the Canucks beat the Sharks 10-1? Did two like Did you see the Canucks challenged a goal when they were up 10 nothing? That's right. Rick talking with the Jersey. <laughs> and they go, the oh, it was to preserve yeah. the shout out of their I, goaltender I mean, like, that they love. That's awesome. your Demko. That's that makes sense. And they would move on. Also, uh, as I just want to I just want to end this conversation with this. You also run the risk of losing the challenge because nobody has any idea what goalie interference is anymore. The NHL could look at it. The situation room could be like, it's probably goalie interference, yeah, interference but, but you're but being screw such these a jerk. Jerks. Yeah, you're being such a jerk right now. So you give the Sharks yeah. a power play, a big whoop. And what, then, what? what's worse? Winning a goalie, a goal challenge mm-hmm. when you're up 10 nothing, or losing a goal challenge? I don't even know which one's worse. And then one bad. texter makes a point, though. How could, you, how could you not believe in superstitions and jinxes but believe in karma and hockey gods. Is it not all the same thing? No, they're different. No, how? Uh, because this is Explain. about... Well, jinxes they're are coming from us. They're both not actual things. They're made up by us Because hockey gods. explain things. Well, because hockey gods are real. We all know this, right? Karma is real. We've Car- seen Car- things Car- go Car- badly before. Car- Car- We've seen jinxes yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Karma, karma, you know in your body that you deserve to have something bad come to you yeah. after you challenge a goal <laughs> up 10 nothing. Me jinxing someone, I don't think highly enough of myself to think that I could impact the outcome of a game. But Rick Tockett challenging. Now it's a good point from a texture. I just I just don't think like 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 yeah it is yeah. But let's not get, let's not get into this too much. It's it would be down. bad Tuckett form. He clearly has it more respect for David Quinn form. than he does for Thatcher Demko. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> that uh, is a good take. This away. is just classic goalies making it all about themselves. You know, like nobody's thinking. Nobody should be thinking about the goal in an eight nothing game with three minutes left. It, it kind of comes down to the goalie. Yeah, hey, you're, you're kind of trying to close I it think out. It for comes him. down to let's get to ten. This became a heated debate on Canucks Twitter last night. Yeah, because nobody has anything good to do. Debate anymore. Well, this was right? the best we're going though. at now. This was the best. <laughs> but I'm just saying that Laddie's not alone in his take. Lots of people agreed with him. It's like, oh, there are dozens of him. Every goalie agreed. I can tell you right now, every goalie. Yeah, agreed. but but who cares? They're all idiots. Goalies, <laughs> come on! Like they're they're all but that they're should, all out of their minds. That shouldn't even be the debate. Idiot though. goalies that are called like, defensemen, bro. The, the on, debate you know the debate should purely be about is the juice worth 
the squeeze. Are you willing? Because you, you're acknowledging. Demko complained at the time Hold and on. after the play. But you are also acknowledging that it is a complete dick move to challenge. You're saying, yes, it's not great. However, you do it for your goalie. I think in that one instance, in that situation, it is understandable that you would want to preserve your goalie shutout. You See, thought now, the goal that was scored was illegal. Now you're being disingenuous. You have no. to acknowledge you're ruffling feathers when you challenge. No, I do understand. After. But I understand like the next step after you realize, hey, why are they challenging? It's okay. I get it now. It's because of the shutout. And then, and then the next question would be like, hey, why are the Sharks running Thatcher Demko? <laughs> yeah. Wow, he's out for the season with an injury. That's a bad call would. to challenge. Thatcher Demko is like, would. thank you for preserving my shutout. <laughs> also for getting me injured. <laughs> if you do that and you're talking, the first thing you have to do is you have to mouth the words, I'm sorry, to David Quinn across the bench. Yeah. Like, my so goalie's sorry. an egomaniac. I'm, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to do this. Um, here's an interesting stat. Uh, from the NHL, and we're all very excited that Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and JT Miller are among the scoring leaders. Uh, what about Canada, though? Clown. Do you know that Mason McTavish is currently the highest scoring Canadian in the NHL? He was actually born in Switzerland, but barely even counts. He's a Canadian. Uh, he's got 12 points in 10 games. There are 14 players in the league above him in scoring. It's yeah. all Americans and Swedes mm-hmm. and, and, Arte- uh, and Panarin. <laughs> and right? Like Jack Hughes, Pedersen, Pasternak's in there. Brat, Hughes, like there's two Hugheses, Debrinket, William Nylander, who was born in Canada but Swedish. Leon Dreisaitl, German. So actually, Brock Europe, Besser, Europe's, American. Very, Europe's very well represented in this list. Um, Merrick was talking about it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, I mean, I don't think that we're going to need to call a summit for this. Do you think Team Europe will. is going to be loaded next uh, World Hockey? The, the pan-European team gonna is going to be stacked with all of these guys. Well, the Americans but. must want, like, they must want the chance soon to try and win gold in a best-on-best. Best. Like, the they must want it. Like, I know Canada's team will still look very daunting with the likes of Connor McDavid and Kale McCarr on the back end, but... In terms of, like, the problem the Americans had, and if you go back to the Sochi team, you're like, yeah, they got some good wingers. But it was always, like, they didn't have the centers and they didn't really have the defensemen. They had wingers and goalies. Mm -hmm. That's what they had. And then you looked at the Canadian team, and they had so many centers that most of them just had to play the wing, and their defensemen were unrivaled. And they had, you know, guys like Carey Price and Roberto Luongo in goal, uh, and Marty Berdur as well. Like, they were Hall of Fame goalies mm-hmm. on the Canadian team. Right now, if the Americans played the Canadians, I would consider it like 50-50 odds because I think the Americans would have a significant advantage in goal. I don't even know who the Canadian goalie would be. Yes. Um, and then if you just look at the types of players, like, I, I, you know, I know they'd still have McDavid, but they wouldn't have Bergeron anymore. Sid is getting older. Well, the, the defense, the defense, I think outside of Makar, you'd be kind of like, all right. The Hughes brothers have really changed this conversation for the U.S. I mean, I know that Matthews and everyone else that that wave, but you're talking about three brothers that are all probably going to be very prominent members of that national team when yeah. they're eligible to return to international play. I mean, it is going to be like. It'll be the USA bracket Hughes brothers. I really hope that when they announce this, it's not going to be a World Cup, but it's going to be some sort of international series. I just hope it's an American, uh, sorry, a Canada-US series. Well, we, I mean. Play a best of seven. 
That'd be amazing. Sweden has always been elite internationally, but if you want to go take it a step further, you look at what's going on right now. Like Pedersen is playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Jesper Brat is not far behind. He's right there. He's got 18 points through nine Whoa. games. Darlene on the back end. William Nylander's having the best start of all the Toronto Maple Leafs, I would argue. Uh, when we look at that Vegas start to the season, and you're wondering how they're getting it done, William Carlson is scoring at a crazy rate right now. He's got 13 points in 11 games. Kempe's been great for the Kings. And then you mentioned Darlene. So, uh, you know, the the again, it's early days, and especially the scoring leaderboard will kind of even itself out and it'll look a little bit more traditional. But through the first 10 games of the season, it is kind of crazy to see a top 15 in NHL scoring. And the lone Canadian guy was born in Switzerland. And, and the goalies, if you look at the save percentage chart, a lot of Americans, like not a lot of Canadians in that list either. Edinger, uh, Demko, uh, Jonathan Quick is up there. He's only played three games, but it's all a lot of American names. Jeremy Swayman. I, I don't know who's going to be in net for Canada. You mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, who would uh, be? Rough. Just off the like, real quick, if you had to guess, Carter Hart would probably be my closest guess to yeah. somebody maybe in a year that will have figured it out again. But it's not looking good. Like Darcy Kemper is another name. Like it's mm. slim pickings hey, right now. Speaking of the Leafs, that team seems to be in a bit of disarray. Right now. There's a lot of people upset about last night. Have, and not just because of the Liljigren injury and the Marshawn hit the response. Have any of Treliving's moves worked out? Have like We all know uh, Klingberg has been not good for them defensively. Um, Bertuzzi, Domi, those guys haven't done anything. Domi's been real bad. Well, Bertuzzi hasn't been much better. Bertuzzi's been pretty invisible. Reeves is almost unplayable. Oh, Reeves. I forgot about Reeves. Reeves is like... I thought uh, I thought with a guy like Ryan Reeves, uh, guys like Brad Marchand weren't going to pull stuff like that. He he just took a Brad Marchand just took out one of the Leafs' better defensemen. Well, I bet Brad Marchand paid for it, didn't he? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just, yeah, he looks. I mean, he was beaten to a pulp. No, wait a minute. He wasn't. He was laughing at the Leafs' bench. Yeah, I. Um, it's interesting because like record wise, they're fine, right? And the Leafs are going to make the playoffs as per usual. But right now, these moves have not had their desired effect. I do wonder if he's hoping that when the games get heavy and greasy and a little bit tougher, that that's when these guys are really going to emerge. But through the first 10 games, I'd say that they have been probably the worst free agent class out of all the teams in the NHL. Mm -hmm. They have been a major disappointment. Joe Joe Wall's got a 942, too. The reason they've been doing so well. He's been very good. And yeah. Samsonov hasn't been good either. That's another. He thing was good last night until the shootout. But yeah, it's been a rough stretch. Uh, the Mojo is going to join us next. We'll talk about the BC Lions playoff game with the Calgary Stampeders, and we'll talk, you know, with Moj about Moj stuff, food, paprika, jambalaya. It's all coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven to thirty-two on a Friday, sweet, sweet Friday. Happy Friday, everybody! It's Halford. It's Bruff. It's Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Moj is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them. 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go. 
big game. Big games, period. This weekend at BC Place. The first is on Saturday. The 12 and 6 BC Lions are six and a half point favorites when they host the 6 and 12 Calgary Stampeders in a CFL divisional semifinal. Our next guest will be on the call. It's Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? How are you? It's a Friday. You know what I've noticed? What's that? These hits are tougher to do when you wake up and it's dark. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, usually, I make I get out of my chair for the first time every morning around seven o'clock, seven thirty, and I go mm-hmm. to look outside in the hopes that the sun will be there. Mm-hmm. It never is. <laughs> it never is. You know, you know that's not going to change, right? Like you're not going to go out once at seven a.m. and you're like, oh, the sun's out. It's dark forever. Early riser today, I guess, son. <laughs> uh, Moj, what's the big story ahead of like what 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 do we need to be watching for in this Lions Stamps game? All I will say is like they better win this one because I'm kind of just. Just like already looking forward to the game in Winnipeg. Oh man, I'm sure you guys cracked me up. I just had this random vision of like Halford walking to the window this ran- this random Wednesday, and it's like beautiful and sunny at <laughs> six thirty in the morning. Yeah, um, like, you gotta have hope. You gotta hold out hope, otherwise it'll never happen. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think uh, you know I wrote about it this week for my call in the Black Press. To me, the big keys to the line of scrimmage. I mean, everyone's talking about skill positions and Vernon Adams. And, Jake Mayer and this and that, but this game will be decided in the trenches. It, it always is. And if you look at the BC Lions, um, the fact that they haven't been able to um, stop the run, in, in particularly in the second half of the season, you look at their defensive numbers. I know Farhan tweeted it out this week, but and you know some of the numbers that I touched on. But it's interesting talking to um, a, a lot of the people around the lines, talking to Ryan Phillips, talk to a couple of the defensive linemen, a couple of guys in the secondary as well. But this is a team, I think, right now that has a bit of a chip on its shoulder. Um, and the reason I say that, they've seen the criticism, they've seen the numbers. And one of the things in talking to Ryan Phillips, that it, you know, and it sounds like kind of permeated through the group, they kind of got away from the aggressiveness that they played with at the start of the year. Um, and just the no hesitation, the no fear, and they kept things simpler. I think what they've tried to do lately, particularly in the second half, and just the team that I got from Ryan is they might have got caught up a little too much in trying to game plan certain things versus certain opponents, and they took that edge off their off their defensive unit, and I think that's what they're really looking to get back to, and we'll see if it holds true when they take on the Stampeders. Yeah, because I still remember that game they played in Winnipeg early in the season. That defense, I was like, that's the best defense in the CFL. I mean, the yep. way the way that they played. Um, so what else will you be looking for in this game? And do you expect, like, I, I don't know what the line is, but I guess in the back of people's minds, there was that Calgary win at BC Place late in the season. I know... It was a meaningless game, and the starter didn't play the whole time. But I guess just in the back of our heads, it's been like, yeah, they did come in and, and beat the Lions pretty handily. Yeah, and, you know, you look at the line, I think it's sitting at six and a half. I think if BC wins that game, it's probably like 10, right? Um, but it's not. And, you know, people are looking at this Calgary team and saying, hey, they came in here and they ran the ball down BC's throat. I think the other thing, too, that comes into play in this game, and Rick Campbell always talks about it, it's complementary football. You know, it's the same thing with hockey, right? I mean, some nights it's going to be your special teams that wins a game for you. The other night it could be your defense. Another night it could be your goaltender, whatever, right? Um, and, and the same holds true in football because if you look at what they're doing um, defensively, this is a defense that its personnel mainly is built to defend the pass. It's a speed defense. It's not a, a, a team that wants to bully you, so to speak. So 
when Rick Campbell talks about complimentary football, it's everybody helping each other out. So that is the offense putting points on the board and making the opposition one-dimensional. If the Lions can make Calgary one-dimensional and take them out of their running game and make Jake Merritt beat them, well, then, you know, all the power to them, it'll probably be a great, it'll be a very successful day for the Lions. Same thing with special teams, right? I mean, if you're uh, a player on defense and, you know, the opposition is pinned at their eight-yard line, you play with so much confidence and aggressiveness, you know you got the rest of the field to play with. But if you're, you know, you're trotting out onto the field and the opposition has a first and 10 at your own 52, I mean, one first down and they're in field goal range, I mean, you're playing extremely tight. So that's the other thing to watch for in this game is the fact that they got to be firing on all cylinders to help the defense out. Uh, are the Lions fully healthy? They've had a lot of time off to rest. Yeah, um, Smoke Mizell is coming in at back at running back after a couple of weeks of maintenance, so they're hoping he can provide a little bit of a spark along the ground. Adrian Green comes back and plays safety, and that's something that's kind of like flying under the radar a little bit. I mean, for those football junkies, the X's knows because when Green comes back in, he'll play at safety, and what it does, it allows Quincy Moje, who's a little bit of a bitter, bigger body, to come up and play in the box in Manny Ragumba's spot and run situation. So hopefully that'll help the run defense a little bit too. So, yeah, the one surprise, though, fellas, Lucky Whitehead. He will not be starting in this game. They're going to go with Justin McInnes ahead of him. So hmm. um, he is dressing, but he is not starting. They will start Justin McInnes ahead of him at receiver. So, so fill in the so fill in the listeners. Why why that decision? Probably a matchup based decision. I think the fact that Justin obviously is a bigger target. He's made some. Hey, kids played great this year. I mean, he's probably been one of the best free agent pickups the Lions have had. Got him out of Saskatchewan. Um, and the other thing too is. Lucky's kind of been hampered with injuries all season long. I know talking to him a couple of weeks ago, he felt he finally got back to 100%. I don't know if something else has popped up, but it seems like he's just been battling injuries all year long and just hasn't been able to get the separation that he has in the past. Um, so it's going to be a big weekend for BC Place. We've talked about this quite a bit. The Upper Bowl is going to be open for what the Lions game on Saturday, Whitecaps game on Sunday. They're expecting very large crowds. Hopefully the concession stands are adequately staffed. Um, talk about the synergy between the two Vancouver teams, Moj. I think it's great. And, you know, you can throw the Canucks into the mix as well because a bunch of the Lions went to the, the Blues game the other night. And, you know, Vernon Adams was there cranking up the siren, all that stuff. So it's kind of neat to see the synergy between the teams, and hopefully it's something that keeps building because we see it in other cities, and we've never really seen it in Vancouver. I know Coos did a piece on um, Rick Tockett wanting to talk to, say, Rick Campbell and talking to Sertani as well and, you know, trying to pick their brain. So it's kind of neat to see the synergy because you see it in other cities. You see it in Boston. You see it in Nashville. You see it in Pittsburgh. And it's nice to finally see it in Vancouver. All right, Moj, uh, now to the most important part of the Moj weekly hit, the Ask Us Anything. Oh, yeah. I, I, got a t- I got a tip for you guys. A what? A tip. About what? Like a horse food. tip? No, food. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay, because well, there was a question. The ex- Keith the Water Guy had a question about pierogies. Can you do the pierogi thing first? He wants to know, yeah. do you make yeah, your yeah, own yeah. pierogies? How do you eat your pierogies or cook them, I guess? Boiled, fried, with bacon or sausage? What about fried onions? Keith the Water Guy has a lot of pierogi questions for you. Man, I don't do pierogies, believe it or not. Mm, okay. Never what? made them. Um, no. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. You seem like a, a pierogi guy. Yeah. I'm surprised by this. Yeah, you do I seem like, like a pierogi guy. I like pierogies, but I just... I don't, you know, go out of my way to, to make them or whatever. So I, the last time I had, like, two places I have pierogies. Well, one, 
Legends in Richmond, the pub there has great pierogies, the Jensen's, of course, the Sutter's of the WLA. And then you've got um, Hunky Bills at the PE every year. Now, Hunky Bills no longer with us, and what a character he was, but um, the pierogies there, I always get the pierogies when I go to the PE. So that's. And then if somebody serves them up at a, you know, if you go to a buddy's place or whatever, yeah, okay, whatever. But I'm not really a pierogi person. Okay. Don't, right. I like them, but I'm not a pierogi person. Okay. Now, now bring, bring, uh, give us your food tip. Okay. So, and you know, I'm a bit of a foodie. So I went into a, a place called um, the Olivas. It's a place on, on Hastings, infused olive oils, infused vinegars, right? So, you know, jalapeno infused vinegar, whatever, right? Like, I mean, they got all these flavors, lime lime infused oil you name it so i'm walking to go into this place and i just catch this whiff of this pizza which smells so good and right next door to it is a little hole in the wall italian place called italia and that's with the eat right okay. it's on hastings, oh, hastings and okay. Nanaimo, yeah right okay. a little and they all everything in there is all it's it's like i said a hole in the wall everything in there is imported so like they got all this stuff from italy but the pizza they made oh my god so good. Hmm. The pizza was just off the charts. Like, I mean, I was just amazed at how good the pizza was. So if you're in the neighborhood, support local. Great pizza. It's called Italia. It's on the Hastings and roughly the Nile. So, so did you, did you get, get free tip. pizza at Italia just now? No. Oh, okay. No. Well, you, should, you should clip this and bring it in and just be like, hear <laughs> no. this? Yeah. You know, but the the thing is, it's good to support local. It is. Just yeah. saying, I right? actually appreciate that. I'm always yeah, looking for good pizza. Go. What kind? What kind did you have? I had this uh, cap uh, capicola. Okay, it was a capicola pizza. It was really good. Moj, enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy all the sports that are going on right now. It's actually, you know what? It's a good time to be a Vancouver sports fan. It is. <laughs> it's a weird. It's a weird thing to say, but it's a good time to be a Vancouver sports fan. So enjoy it, buddy. Have a great weekend. Yeah, that connect game last night was something else. Have a great weekend, fellas. See you, buddy. Have a good call on Saturday, Moj. Thanks, bud. That's Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. He mentioned that the Lions are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Stamps on Saturday. He's right. And what better way to segue into our Lock of the Week? We are finally back officially with Play Now. Lock of the Week is presented by Play Now Sports. Betting on the NFL this weekend, if you are, receive a $10 free bet when you make a same-game parlay wager of $25 or more on NFL games at Play Now Sports. Visit playnow.com forward slash listen NFL SGP to learn more. Conditions apply. You must be 19 plus to play. If you gamble, use your game sense. Jason, what is your lock of the week? Well, I just wanted to say there's some pretty good games this weekend. Excellent slate of NFL Uh, We've got the Seahawks and the Ravens on Sunday morning. Then the game of the week on Fox is Cowboys at the Eagles Sunday night. Bills, Bengals, and then Monday. Oh, my God. Chargers, Jets. Oh, wait a minute. That's a mistake. Um... (laughs) But perhaps the best game of the week is going to be my lock of the week. Uh, And it's going to happen in Germany. And it is the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, you know that I love to bet on good teams who are coming off a bad performance. Good teams in the NFL rarely have back-to-back poor performances. And the Chiefs are coming off a loss to the Broncos. Terrible loss. And they, they never lose to the Broncos. did not play well. Patrick Mahomes was sick. He wasn't himself. So 
while this isn't a home game for Kansas City, like you might look at it and be like, oh, the Chiefs are at home. No, they're technically the home team. But the game is in Frankfurt, Germany, and they are one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Miami Dolphins. And I've actually made money betting against the Dolphins this year when they went up to my, uh, Buffalo. And I, and I had oh, the right. Bills as my lock of the week, and the Bills took care of business. So I'm going to try and do this again. The Chiefs, with the bounce back, will beat the Miami Dolphins, and that is my lock of the week. Lock of the week. Uh, I like it. I'm, I'm always leery about wagering on the Europe games. They seem they're just kind of strange and funky in their early times, and the guys are confused. The money's a different color. They get all confused. But <laughs> I do like it because you went with a good gambling staple, which mm-hmm. is take a good team to bounce back. After a bad loss. I also wonder, like, has Miami beaten anyone good this year? They've lost to Philly and they've lost to Buffalo. They've beaten the Chargers, the Patriots twice, Denver, the Giants, Carolina. They're a good team. Don't get me wrong. They're a good team. When they've gone up against a really strong opponent, when they've been in a marquee game, they've fallen short, the Mm -hmm. Dolphins. So I like your play. I'm going to go with another classic sports gambling credo, which is the revenge factor. You can never underestimate the revenge factor. And on Sunday Night Football this week, the Buffalo Bills have the revenge factor in their favor as they look to erase the bitter memories of being dumped out of last year's playoffs by the Cincinnati Bengals. Remember 27 to 10? They were flat. They were terrible. It was a very disappointing day for the Bills. This season that had so much hope and promise fell by the wayside. I also like the fact that this weekend, Buffalo, yes, the game is in Cincinnati, so you're going to get points with Buffalo. They are plus one and a half. I think they're the better of the two teams. I don't think... Really? Yes. I don't think... The Bengals are playing pretty good football. They've won in, like, what, two games in a row? I don't think that the Bengals are, quote-unquote, back like everyone thinks. I think they're playing better football, but I still think this is a team that's got some of those flaws that saw them get off to that questionable start. I just like the fact that I've got the revenge factor and the Bills plus one and a half, so I'm going to make it my lock on Sunday Night Football. Take the Bills plus one and a half against the spread. My lock of the week. Lock of the week. Experience the thrill of every pass, every touchdown, and every win this NFL season with Playnow Sports, BC's safe and secure betting site. You must be 19-plus to play, and if you gamble, use your game sense. So uh, we were having this discussion. Uh, <laughs> the one thing we found to argue about last night's game, a 10-1 victory for the Vancouver Canucks over the San Jose Sharks. And... In the third period, the Sharks finally scored, but if you're watching it, there might have been goalie interference. There was. Okay. Goalie no, no, Let's, no. That that kind of came a little bit too much before the goal, don't you think? So like here, it wasn't right at the same time. Two things on this. One, you have to you cannot like try and just throw it out there that it's instantly it was goalie interference. No one knows what goalie interference is in the yeah. NHL. The NHL doesn't. They're like, your guess is as good as ours. Two, um, Talkett said he's the reason he didn't challenge it is because he didn't think it would. Oh, he said he was. Yeah, he actually yeah. addressed it. Someone it asked him. Well, yeah, Murph asked him because he's like, everyone was, everyone was thinking it. Someone yeah, was going to say. I think it. the NHL. I mean, I, I'm not sure that would have they would overturn that. I think uh, so. I didn't want to take a chance, and you know, just at that point, you know, didn't think it was worth it. See, I didn't want to take a chance. You know, next thing you know, it's ten two, and then we're <laughs> in a game. Three. Right, he didn't uh, want to say the quiet part out loud. So I, I I threw this poll question out on Twitter 
Should the Canucks have challenged San Jose's goal last night? Halford and I say no. Laddie says yes. And then the options were yes, do it for Demko, or no, that's poor form. And right now, 68% of people are saying no, that's poor form. Should but be the higher. people, but, but the people okay. that think that they should have challenged are like the most ardent for it. Um, <laughs> here's an unsigned text. Karma? In a 10-0 game, you're already invited bad karma, if any, by reaching double digits. There is no sportsmanship in a game like this anymore. San Jose having a goal disallowed is irrelevant for karma. Another shutout for Demko goes a lot further in the big picture. Defending Taka's decision as sportsmanship in a smashing like this is such a small, meaningless gesture for karma. See, that text, yeah, I just I've disagree. That. The texter's wrong. Yeah. Well, can it, I read this tweet that we got into? Well, just hold on. Okay. With this text... He's right that ten nothing was bad for karma. Mm-hmm. That's why you let the goal stand because ten one is. Well, a- I don't even think ten nothing was bad for karma because I don't think the Canucks. Um, like l- l- we were talking about the leading ice time, leading ice time last night, Ian Cole leading forward, Pew Suter. Like the Canucks actually, the Canucks were the nicest team in the world last night. You had Kuzmenko checking on the goalie, yep. while none of the Sharks were checking on San Jose's goalie. He was probably like after Kuzi scored. I, I can't remember exactly what happened to uh, was it was it Kakanen in there? Yeah, you got yeah. Need in the head, and and Kuzmenko was probably just like get out of here, just you got to leave right now. Just <laughs> your chance, go. No. No. <laughs> Just stay down, fake this injury, run, get out of boy, here. Run, boy, run free. Like, the Canucks were absolutely good sports. Like, the Sharks were so bad that, you know, it was hard not to score against them last night. It, yeah, it could really have done, was. like, the four passes before Le- a goal. Let me thing. read this, this tweet we got. It's from not Pee Wee House. That was pretty close. Craig from on Twitter said, Tockett can demand that his players do all the little things but then chooses to stop competing and doesn't challenge when a star goalie has a chance to get a shutout. Like Pete Carroll says, always compete. I like that. I like that from Craig. Okay. Uh, You know what, Craig? Taking the call. I I like that take. Do you think this is going to, do you think the Canucks season is now going to like, this is going to be the thing that Demko is going to harbor this and deep down. Demko's like, oh yeah, you don't want to try for me? Guess how I played. Look what happened game. last year, guys. Look what happened last year. <laughs> he's uh, like, he's like, uh, oh, I, I, I could have got to that, but I just didn't want to. My old trick knee is acting up again. <laughs> I don't know if the NHL would have uh, allowed me to make that save. Um, I'm sorry. You know, it's funny because I, I was, I jokingly in one of the bits that I was working on for the show today. I'm like, he, the following is a list of topics for the House of Negativity. And so one of them was, did the Canucks score too many goals last night? That was one question. And another one was, did Rick Tockett betray his star goalie by not challenging? And I'm like, you know, we shouldn't go there. Because even if we do joke about being house of negativity, people might take it seriously. That being said, this is the most interesting debate to come from a 10-0 game. Because there is a real quandary 10-1. Right. It was 10-0. There was not a shutout, Michael. But, you know, there's enough people voting on this poll in favor of you do it for Demko that it's worth having the conversation. That's what I'll say. Still, an overwhelming majority are smart, normal people. But for those non-smart, non-normal people, we're having the debate. Yeah, it's not bad sportsmanship to win 10 nothing in professional sports. Oh, like, I, people, I, people are acting like what, sorry, the Canucks, yeah. the, what the Canucks were doing was like run, they were running up the score. They specifically weren't running up the score. Like they took, they they were giving guys in the bottom of the lineup a chance to go get theirs. But right, they, uh, and, it, and it's not like you're gonna be like, 
I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, that's the Sharks' problems if, like, Anthony Beauvillier is too good for you. <laughs> right? Like, that's that's a you problem, not, Listen, not I, us. But you, you, everyone understands what we're talking about here. We're not talking about sportsmanship. We're talking about all those intangible things like karma and mood and juju well, and everything else. I'm, I'm talking about sportsmanship. I'm not because I'm talking about when it gets to 10 nothing. nothing good can come from it. You can't, there's certain things you can't do when it's a blowout. You can't put your first power play unit on the ice when you get a power play. You can't celebrate a goal. You can't do anything. You have to play within this set of unwritten rules and codes that is out there. And if anyone argues with that point, you haven't been blown out. Because mm-hmm. you can't. You know the other team feels like crap. You know you can't rub it in. And you know you have to mind your P's and Q's as you're going about your business. That's what I'm talking about. It's a 10 nothing game while it's great for the standings. It's not great in the moment, right? Like the, that quote unquote fight between Luke, Luke Cunning and Phil DiGiuseppe yesterday. How did you describe it? Laddie? You said it had real guys calm down. It's just beer league vibes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like why are we doing this? Why are we exactly? doing this? Right. Like, you gotta get up tomorrow. Come on. Yeah. Guys. And, and the sharks were kind of towing a line between it's like, well, do we do, uh, the pissed off that we're blown out thing, or do we do the let's just get this over with because we're getting blown out thing? So I know we're talking a lot about stats this morning, but hey, let's take advantage of this while they still look really good for the Vancouver Canucks. And we were talking earlier in the show about how we're not saying he's going to win the Norris. We're not saying he is the best defenseman in the NHL, but over the first 10 games, Quinn Hughes has been the best defenseman in the NHL. Um, he's got 16 points. In 10 games, he's a plus 13, which is crazy after 10 games. Kale McCarr, who most people will probably still pick. Like, if you're going to have one guy on your team, who would you pick? I'm not talking about Canucks fans. I'm talking about league-wide. People are like, I want that Kale McCarr guy. Hey, with this, get a little of this loser. He's only got 11 points in nine games. Five points behind Quinn Hughes. and him, Overrated. Him and another loser, Adam Fox, only 11 points. On the season, by the Quinn way, Hughes, um, like just, just, I mean, I don't even know that these guys are playing. Hold on, I just want to double check. Yeah, Fox got hurt last night and potentially seriously. Oh, well, yeah. sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry for calling me a loser. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he went knee on knee with Aho, I think, and mm-hmm. then Truba was pissed in the aftermath. I saw a clip of him saying that they, they needed their pound of flesh, and I don't think they got it last night. Philip Veronica has 10 points, too, so he's only one point back of Makar and Fox. In, in, like, this is yeah. this is all bananas, what's happened for the Canucks in the first 10 games. Uh, speaking of bananas, Rick Dollywell is going to join us next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.